0: Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, let's go to the word. Anybody get ministered to last Sunday? <laughs> it ain't over. <laughs> it just we're just getting rolling good. You know, as a church, we're kind of like a snowball rolling downhill, and uh, everything just keeps increasing. And so, um, it it takes faith, it takes consistency. Uh, one of the things we, we on prayer at prayer on Tuesday, I was sharing, but one of the things because I went to Rhema, which is Kenneth Hagen Ministries, and uh, they're still around today. One of the great signs of a ministry, as far as integrity. And godliness and all of those things is it it gets bigger when the guy who was the original, the one who you might say founded or the one that God called to run it, um, goes on to heaven. But it grows exponentially after they leave. That's a big deal. Yeah. That's a really big deal because there's a lot of flash in the pans. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, people sometimes don't realize this. Uh, Raymo was very uh, USA centered. Um, but it went international after he went on, Brother Hagan went on to heaven on a level that just exponentially grew the ministry. They went from, I think, twenty-five or 30,000 graduates, which is a lot anyway out of just the Bible schools that they had at the time, to uh, now there are over 100,000 graduates of Ramus, over 100,000. And he only passed away in 2003. So it's only been 20 years. And in that twenty years, they more than they, they tripled; they almost have quadrupled uh, in that time. And what they did is they started starting they started Bible schools all over the world. And uh, I know in Brazil, uh, they had a Bible school. They started putting the kids, uh, allowing sixteen year olds go to the, to go to the Bible college, and starting them in high school. And the reason why they did that was because they found that by the time they went to the university, they would they would not be as uh, uh, the university would uh, turn a lot of them away from the Lord. And so they started doing that. So anyway, coming out of that ministry, um, one of the things that I watched, you know, we, we are believing God for reviving in the church. Uh, so there's an awakening in the world. But you do realize this, that you can be on fire no matter what happens. And one of the things that, uh, that Ramah taught us Because I watched Brother Hagan and and, and that ministry function like this uh, for years. When uh, how many remember Rodney Howard Brown? And so he was going around and having meetings, and they called them uh, uh, laughter meetings, joy meetings, you know, all that stuff. Called them different things. But anyway, um, God was using, and especially anointed Rodney, who's still ministers that way till today. Uh, to revive the church, to stir the church up, because churches or believers can tend to fall asleep. Have you noticed that? Sometimes on Wednesday night, people tend to fall asleep. You know, you... <laughs> And I understand. I understand why. But I'm not talking about just physically falling asleep. You get into, this world has a tractor beam to it. Have you noticed? In other words, it has a force that wants to suck you in. And you have to fight against that and fellowship with the Lord and maintain those things. Well, one of the things I noticed about Brother Hagin, even though, uh, you know, like Rodney was going through and doing these meetings and things, they had those meetings all along, long before Rodney ever had a ministry. They had them for years, decades before, before Rodney was ever around. And not just like it came in a wave and then it went away. It, it was, cons- those things were consistent. And we had that all the way around. Uh, when I was there, the spirit of God would move. Now we'd have demonstrations of the spirit in all sorts of different ways. Sometimes there were demonstrations of the spirit where people would have hands laid on them. You know, they'd go through and lay hands on everybody. Sometimes there are demonstrations of the spirit where like like we had on Sunday where nobody touched nobody, but people are just getting ministered to all over the place. Those are my favorite. For one, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> Come on. I mean, you know, it's like, having a, it's like having one of those vacuum cleaners that goes while you're not at home. <laughs> Only it's the Holy Ghost. And he just does it all. And you don't got to mess with it. Now, years ago, when I was younger, I used to think I had to lay hands on everybody. And then as I, uh, this year after year after year, and then finally I'm like, my goodness, this is just wearing me out. Because I would try to force it. And then I learned through watching Brother Hagen and through seeing uh, some of the things that he, uh, how he demonstrated in the spirit and stuff, I thought, oh, the Holy Ghost will move in a lot of different ways. Like sometimes in a service like that, um, You know, people will think, uh, or or in some of our services, I should say it this way, people will come up to have a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, whatever it is, a gift of the Spirit in operation. But in services like that, it's almost like the Holy Ghost is sitting on people, and He just tells them what they need to know. And that's my favorite way. Do you want to know why? Because then you know His voice. You don't hear my voice or another person's voice. You know the Lord's voice. You know when He spoke to you and what He spoke to you. And that is, should be the goal of every minister. So uh, there's a minister... Um, I was watching a teaching a while back um, on, the, on the on prophets. And this, this minister is a prophet. And he was... At the end of his teaching, he made this statement... Or toward the middle or the end of it. He made the statement. He said... Uh, by the time I'm done teaching all this, my goal is that you know within you that you can hear God better uh, for yourself than through a prophet or, or, or than a prophet. And that is my goal with the church, one of them. Now, it moves of the Spirit come easy for mature believers. Did you know that? you know a lot of times people think well if we get mature we don't need god to move anymore that's just junk you know that's just junk that just heady church you say heady yeah just all you're just full of head knowledge your spirits just a little teeny little skinny little thing and your big old massive melon can barely get through the door <laughs> in other words we need to be balanced we can't skip Spirit day. You know, like weightlifters say, don't skip leg day. You know, you got a person with a huge upper body and they have no, you know, hardly any, yeah, they got chicken legs, yeah. (laughs) Well, in the spirit, it's the same way. Like we can gather knowledge and sometimes people think, well, I have knowledge. That doesn't mean you know God. In fact, I've met people with less knowledge that know God better than the people with knowledge. Now, that is not a reason to be spiritually dumb. You know, people are like, well, yeah, I don't want to learn anything because I don't want to forget, you know, not know God anymore. That's not how it works. This is a hard issue. If you want to know God, then knowledge will work with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. They both work together. Do you notice that God, that Jesus taught, but then some days he just demonstrated all day but he never abandoned one or the other, right? He actually taught, if you look at the scriptures, his teaching was more than the moves of the spirit, but that's intentional to a degree because you want to have balance. See, those that are mature in the Lord, I'll put it to you like this because it's the same thing that I said on Sunday. I had to teach the youth this at our, at our at, uh, Freedom Church when I was over there as the youth pastor. I had to teach them this at any moment you can really have a move of God. You know, people think this. They think, well, the prayer team prayed long enough, and so God finally got tired of their constant just nagging him for rain. No. God's looking down going, finally, they're in a place in their thinking that I can move, and they'll believe The Spirit of God can move at any moment. Um, I'm not going to do this, but I've done this before, where I'll work with the worship team. And uh, basically, I'll just shift the service into a different flow. And people say, you can choose that. Yes. That seems, it almost seems manipulative, doesn't it? And it would be if you didn't know God's nature. But if you realize how he is, he sits on go. In other words, he's always ready to move. He's not up there withholding anything in a sense. Now, it's always best to do it with the leading of the Holy Spirit, right? But even if I didn't have the leading of the Holy Spirit, like if I didn't have a thus saith the Lord, I have a thus saith the Lord. And he's not willing that any should perish. What is his will? It's life and life more abundantly 24-7. Apparently so much so that the woman with the, issue of, the bl- issue of blood interrupted them walking somewhere. It wasn't even a legitimate healing service. And she just took. Right? And Jesus didn't say, oh, no, no, you can't do that. God, God wasn't ready yet to heal you. That's not the move. That's not the direction we're going right now. What did he say to her? Your faith has made you whole. Now, people that are nervous about that as far as faith goes, they, they have to go, now we all know it was the power of God. Well, of course we know it was the... We know she didn't grab hold of Jesus and get some other power. But that is not what Jesus emphasized. And last I checked when I was reading my Bible, one time, (laughs) Jesus said, I only say what the Father says. So that must mean the Father said, Huh, your faith made you whole. Amen. Amen. So you actually can do this. You can talk yourself into the presence of God. Did you know that? I've done it many times. Do you know you can, and what I mean by that is not that you're not already there. You can talk your awareness to him. Because he's with you all the time. 24-7. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. Sit down and read your Bible until you get full. You say, what happens? Well, God didn't get bigger. Your awareness shifted. And when your awareness shifts, now if, you, if, you do, if everybody learned that just in this room, and then we come together on Sunday again, and people come in who don't know it, what do you think is going to dominate in the room? The, the ones who don't, aren't aware of the Spirit of God or the ones who are? who are. And that's why maturity is such a big deal. Like the Spirit of God literally lives and abides in you. You are a carrier of Christ, the resurrection. And you can actually set the atmosphere in your house to heaven's channel. Your car, everything. You can live there. It just depends on how much attention you want to give to him, right? There's a lady years ago. I went to one of her meetings. I think she's in heaven now. But uh, she, one day, she uh, she wasn't a minister. She was a uh, like as far as like you'd think a pulpit minister. She was actually she was raising had a family and raising kids and stuff. And one day she was a believer, of course. One day the Holy Spirit uh, started talking to her, and uh, she said, "Lord, well, I got some laundry to do." And he said, well, I'm going to do it with you. And so she started doing the laundry with the Lord. (laughs) Listen, Jesus sits at wells and waits for people to come get water. And then she said, I started taking walks with the Lord. In other words, the Lord just was, she was aware of him, became aware of him everywhere she was going. He was there anyway. She just did what? She tuned herself into heaven. Does that make sense? Now, that's not for special people. That's for everybody who will believe. Now, I'm not saying she had open visions of Jesus all day long. She's communing with the Lord by the Holy Spirit with her own heart. You know how you got born again? The Spirit of God bears witness with your, that you are a child of God. So if He bears witness with you concerning your salvation, that you're a child of God, couldn't He bear witness about something else? It'll mess with you. You want to know why? Because most people think... (laughs) I came to church and met the Lord. He was with you all day. You came to church and a collective group of believers are together and it can help heighten the fact that because you're in your mind, you're gearing toward focusing on the Lord when you come here. But in all reality, you could actually gear your mind, transform your thinking, to the fact that he's with you at all times. The building is just a building. The temple is you. Oh, no, the Lord would never. You don't know what. No, if you're born again, he's there. It's not his fault. You haven't grown in sanctification. <laughs> well, that means the Lord heard me because. Yep, every time. And guess what? He wasn't like, I'm out of here. Lock the door. I ain't coming back. (laughs) (laughs) He knew what he was getting into when he got in. I'm not saying that that's okay. I'm saying he knows he's not offended. He will look at you and go, Stop doing that. You're being a ding dong. Now, ding dong in the Greek. All right. Do you you hear what I'm saying? I know sometimes people think, just prove that we could shift the atmosphere. We could. I'm not going to do it because I want to teach instead. Because I I, want to be, I want to have a strong, you know, good, firm foundation and mature people in the body. But I'm telling you, it can be done. How many have ever been having a bad day and you decided, I'm going to turn on worship music? and everything shifted. See, you did it. You did it. Right? I mean, it's amazing. Electricity, do you know electricity's in the air? Spirit of God's in the air. He's here. He's in you. He's around you. How could that be? He is the omnipresent one. He is present everywhere. This is what's wild about it. Through, in the temporal and in the eternal. He's present. That means there's always healing available. There's always peace of mind available. There's always strength available. For every demon on the planet, there are two angels. If you can do math. (laughs) If one third got thrown out of heaven. How many are left? Two thirds and three-thirds makes what? One whole, right? Yeah, okay. So there are there are twice as many angels as there are demons available. Which means we are winning. Right? So keep that in mind. Alright? The, the, the Lord is always present. And uh, sometimes it just takes a shift in our thinking most of the time. And uh, even when uh, when when you have feelings, emotions, attacks of the enemy, whatever they are, the attacks of the enemy that come against you that cause certain feelings and emotions to rise up within you, you can resist those things in the name of Jesus and say, no, I'm not going to take that. I'm moving forward with the Lord. Amen? And uh, it, takes, it takes some fight, but I believe I'm looking at fighters. All right. So last week, we wrapped up verses 9 through 11 by reviewing with a commentary on those verses concerning walking in love and the consequences of obeying or not. Tonight, we are going to pick up in verse uh, 12, which begins a new section in the chapter of 1 John 2 on the spiritual state of the church. Um, and really, it has this, this first portion here has to do with recognizing infancy all the way to maturity. So verse number 12 says this, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. Now, we talked about this before, but this word, uh, little children here, or children, is uh, the Greek word, and it's technon, and I'm not going to give you the spelling of it because it's really not that big of a deal. But basically what it means is child of God. So this, when you see little children here, he's not talking about like an immature believer. This is more of a general uh, word like I'm the child of Glenn and Anna McFarlane. I'm their child. So is my older brother. So is my younger sister and my younger brother. We're all children. It's not referencing a maturity level or an age level. It's just referencing the fact we're in the McFarlane clan. Okay, we are all uh, son of or daughter of, or actually son of, yeah, or daughter of Farlane. That's what we are. So we're in that family. And that's what John is talking about here. In a couple other translations, it says, I'm writing to you, I'm writing these things to you all. To all of you, my little children, because your sins have been forgiven in the name of Jesus, our Savior. The message says, I remind you, my dear children, your sins are forgiven in Jesus' name. It's a good reminder to have, amen, that your sins are forgiven. John again starts with speaking to the whole church. So this is the children of God, the whole body. Um, this word is also used in verse uh, 28, this technon word about children. Um And it refers just basically in general to a person born again. No matter our age or spiritual development, we will always be God's spiritual children. Children of God are those who have had their sins forgiven in the name of Jesus. Okay, let's look at verse 13. There's not a lot of deep revelation there. I mean, I suppose there could be. Um, If you want to dig into it later on your own, you can. But here in verse 13, John begins to break up the church into different spiritual levels. So verse 13 says, I write to you. Look at that first word. What does it say? Fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you what? Young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. And I write to you, little children because you have known the father and actually and if you if you want to in your bible you can but you want to you could underline fathers young men and little children these are all references to levels of spiritual maturity they're all references to levels of spiritual maturity different levels of spiritual development so in every church or in the church as a whole but in any church ours included There are fathers, there are young men and women, and actually you could say mothers as well, and there are infants. There are those that are uh, babies in the Lord. So spiritual growth is a lot like natural growth. Only the difference is spiritual growth doesn't happen just because you eat, sleep, and get up. You have to obey. That's how spiritual growth happens. So, spiritual growth is not automatic, but there are similarities in the two. We'll look at at some of these. You'll you'll really enjoy this. It'll give you some uh, lines to kind of mark off, you know, on the doorway to see how, how, how tall you've gotten each year, but only in the spirit, okay? All right, so fathers, the word fathers, this word actually means a spiritual parent, It means a nourisher or a protector. This is someone who is mature in Christ. This is a person who is advanced in in the knowledge of Christ and walks in that knowledge. So maturity or uh, knowing something in the sense of gaining knowledge which is very important in the Christian faith, is not enough for spiritual maturity. You have to absorb the knowledge, and then you have to do what? Walk it out, right? What do you do with your kids? The goal is to what? Teach them, and then have them obey, right? That's the goal. As a parent, what am I thinking about? I'm thinking... By the time I'm done with this little knucklehead, (laughs) by the time I'm done raising this kid, will they be able to live on their own? Or am I going to be getting a call every two weeks, oh, I ran out of money again, There's an echo. I hear myself. (laughs) In other words, they're not doing what they were taught to do. So is knowledge enough? You know the world worships knowledge? Well, I know a lot. That doesn't mean anything. You could be a buffoon and know a lot. I, I mean, you could apply none of the knowledge that you've received from the scriptures, and you can go, God, I just don't know why this is working. And he'll go, I know. Just because you have the scripture memorized doesn't mean you're doing it. But maturity gains knowledge and then what? Applies that knowledge. If you want to see a different crop, you got to do something different, right? Now I know we're Pentecostals, we're a faith back or whatever it is, and there's a whole lot of people that are, and part of doing is speaking things and declaring things. But sometimes people are trying to cast out demons when they just need to change their, the what they're doing. Well, I'm just trying to cast the devil out of my kids. I'm just gonna, you know, I'm trying to get the devil off of the curses off of my family. The curse of what? A dirty bedroom? That's not a spirit. I mean, obviously the Lord's not messy, but there is such thing as a spanking spoon. And people say, well, my kids are older than that. There are other spoons available. I'm, you have to find what motivates your kid. There was a certain stage uh, where I quit spanking my kids. I don't think it was spank kids in years. But when they were real little, obviously, you got to spank them, right? People say, oh, I don't know if I want to say that. Skip it. I just like, no, don't say it. Don't say it. I really want to, though. <laughs> I'll make it more general. <laughs> we, would, we would take our kids out, you know, to dinner or whatever. We'd go to a restaurant. Man, your kids are so well-behaved. Yeah, that's because we discipline them at home. Oh, it's because they're afraid of you. None of my kids are afraid of me, not in a, not in the sense of like you're afraid of a rattlesnake. There's a reverence in the room because there's authority in place. You you know people sometimes think well, Jesus is my homeboy. No, now he's your Lord. You get in the room with him, you won't just run around and act any way you want. Some stuff gets too loose in the church. I don't like it. it. bothers me. But... And then we would say, you know, and people say, well, how do you do it? And, you know, I'd, we'd t- share with people. We found out our parental uh, advice wasn't accepted. <laughs> it was just the Bible, but, you know, it wasn't accepted. Of course, when you're young and you're, you know, a lot of times you think you know more than you do. But anyway... Actually, most of the time. But anyway... <laughs> We, we, we would share things, and they'd be like, oh, no, I would never do that. I had somebody tell me one time, uh, uh, they, something about their, their kid wanted to do something. And I said, tell them no. And they literally looked at me and said, oh, I never tell them no. I'm thinking, the prison guard will. See, and you got to understand, and that doesn't go over well when you, with people, just so you know. When you say that, I know from experience, <laughs> but, I, but I'm thinking about out there. You say, what do you mean by that? I'm thinking about when my son is 25 and I'm not there. What's he going to hear in his ear if somebody comes up to him and offers something or as he gets older and he has more freedoms, car, things like that? What, what's, what's, when his friends come up with a genius idea, Is what's, what's going to flash through his mind me <laughs> by the anointing of the Lord. Because I'm not just teaching human control, I'm standing in a place and a grace of authority that has love equally yoked to truth that cannot be separated. When somebody tells me, that, that spiritual maturity doesn't include discipline or truth and love together. That it isn't somebody who's functioning this way. When somebody says to me, like the statement, Oh, I would never tell my kids no. What I hear is you hate your kid. That's what I hear. When, I, when, when somebody tells me, Oh, my, uh, uh, they tell me, Well, we don't ever discipline our children like that. You know, We just talk to them. How do you talk to a one and a half year old? You know, have you ever walked in Walmart? No, I don't do it ever anymore. Thank God COVID gave us delivery to the car. But (laughs) so you don't ever have to go in anywhere, but it's wonderful. But, uh, but have you ever walked and you watch a parent like with a kid and the kids on the floor, like they think they're snow, they're trying to do snow angels, not in a nice way, pitching a fit or whatever. You know, it turns out if you spank somebody else's kid, they'll kick you out (laughs) of Walmart. That's never happened to me. But I've been tempted. And and I've I've seen parents or moms or dads or whatever. Now, we don't, you know, trying to reason with that kid. There's a way to get their attention quick. And it's legal in all 50 states. It is legal in all 50. I've had people challenge me on that. Go look it up. It's legal in all 50 states. It's called corporal punishment. (laughs) You know, and they have rules for this. But if we're going to be strong, if we're going to be developed, if we're going to be mature, not only do we need to lead in that maturity, you won't lead in maturity you don't walk in. I'll just put it to you like that. You can understand the maturity, but if I don't have it applied to my life personally, I'll never lead in it. You say, why? I could give good advice. Have you ever read a parenting book and found out, or a marriage book and found out the guy who wrote it's been divorced three times? That means the PhD at the end of their name stands for post hole digger. Because it doesn't stand for a doer of what they preach or what they share. Mature believers, those that are fathers and mothers in Christ, and we're going to get into this, there is a strong responsibility upon those that are mothers and fathers in Christ and that are to be mature or strong. There's a a high uh, level of responsibility to them. Not the ministers, those who are disciples. Of course there's high standards for ministers, but those who are disciples, those who claim to be strong in the Lord, what kind of example are you setting for the generation under you? Or the generations under you? It's in the Scripture. There's a mandate in the Word And people say, well, the Lord's not legalistic. No. He has changed my nature. He didn't just place rules within me. He placed himself within me. And you know what God is? God is an investor who wants a return. If you don't believe it, read the parable of the talents. He expects that I develop spiritually. Why? It's not a legalistic thing. It's not a, oh, I'm just going to leave you up to your own self-will to get this done, Sean. In his thinking and what he's actually accomplished in Christ is not only the mandate, but the ability to walk in obedience. In other words, the command came, but what came with the command? The faith and the grace to do it. Now, thankfully, we're under grace on the other side of grace. There's, there's a few understandings of grace that go together, but he's not holding our mistakes against us, right? But he does expect us to walk in levels of maturity and to grow up spiritually. We've talked about this before, and it doesn't get preached much in the church today, but we've talked about this before. Paul actually went to places and he looked and he, and he or actually wrote letters to, to different uh, churches and he made statements like this. You guys should have been more mature by now. <laughs> That's not preached a lot, you know that? Especially in seeker sensitive churches. We don't want them to feel bad. Well, there's a way to think about that. They're probably going to feel bad one way or another. Do you know, if I discipline my kids, they feel bad, right? What happens if I don't teach them discipline? Then what happens to their feelings? Do you know there's a harvest one way or another, right? So I can have have a discipline in my family and in my home, that is in a controlled environment, that is godly, gracious. It's strong, it's love, and it's controlled. Or I can let them run wild for the sake of my own feelings, because really it boils down to me not wanting to do what I need to do. Because they might not like. Sometimes people think this way. They might not like me. Have you ever had a boss on a job that tried to be everybody's friend? Who man, does it not work? Do you know I'm not trying to be my kid's best friend? Actually, there's not even a scripture for it. And so sometimes people, they paint this picture. They sit and think in their heads. They think, well, that guy's mean. Or I'm loving and you don't see it yet. Do you know the Lord is this way? I don't even know why I'm on this must be needed. You know the Lord is this way? That He disciplines those He... The Scripture actually says He chastens them. And I'm not quoting the Old Testament. Well, if my parents really love me, they'd just let me do whatever I want. Oh, no they wouldn't. If your parents really love you, they'll ruin your world. And what you think you want. Because they know how life is running. They've been down the path further. They know, a good parent knows they're not going to be around forever. Right? A good parent knows this is the way it's supposed to go, right? My kids are supposed to outlive who? So what are they going to have in them when I'm gone? You see that? I know for me, there are times that, you know, you you can't go back and blame anything, but you go back through the word and you look at it. How many times did the Lord say, I set," or, you know, this scripture, we quote it. He said, I set before you blessing and life and, and then he goes, choose a. (laughs) What does he say right after? He says, choose life. So I do this with my kids you can control you or i will control you what does that mean i you can stop you you can help you make good decisions that lead to life while you're under my roof while you're in my in my boundaries i'm paying the bills right or if you don't i'm going to i'm going to help you go that direction And what is that? That's maturity, right? That's maturity. I had a friend of mine years ago, and uh, we were doing some ministry stuff together, and he, he had been in prison for a long stint, and then he got out, and so we were working ministry stuff together, and, uh, and then he got busted. He did something he wasn't supposed to do, and he got busted. He just happened to get busted at a gas station, random, totally random. There was a drug dog there, or something, and he got busted for marijuana. And uh, <clears throat> so he goes back to prison for another. I think they sent him back for another year. Not jail. He's in. He's in and out of. He's in prison. You know what I mean? This isn't just jail. This is prison. And I and I ta- And he got out again. And so I was talking to him about it. And and I said, "What about that?" And he goes, "Sean," he said, "That was the mercy of God." Whew. I thought, this guy understands. This guy understands. It is the mercy of... Why would it be the mercy of God? Yeah. What if, what if there was no rules and we just let people run? How many have ran and rebelled against rules? How good does that taste? Ooh, it has a harvest, but it ain't a good one. It costs you, right? So let's 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 uh, finish up, fathers or mothers here. Titus chapter two verse one. So this is a person who is advanced in knowledge in the advanced in the knowledge of Christ and walks in that knowledge. So Titus chapter two verse one. This is you're gonna love these verses. You are gonna go out of here on such a high note that you, I mean, we'll just have to kind of peel you off the ceiling, you know. You're going to be so jacked when you see this this stuff. What is maturity? What is spiritual maturity? Titus chapter 2, verse number 1, it says this, and this is the um, New King James, it says, But as for you, speak the things which are for sound doctrine, which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men... And it it actually means spiritually far advanced. Be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, and in patience. You notice what I you know what I don't see there? Gifts of the Spirit. Are all those words fun? Not to the flesh, are they? How much does your flesh like to function in patience? (laughs) But what do mature believers do? Flesh, shut up and sit down. You are going to be patient right now. You You know what spirit does to the flesh? The spirit will bite the flesh's tongue. You say, what do you mean by that? When impatience sets in, you hold your peace. What is that? That's a spiritually what? Well, I just got to share my opinion. You know what they put on Facebook? I'm going to share my opinion. Don't give them too many pieces of your mind. You only have so many. (laughs) Right? How much does our flesh want to function in love? And this is agape love. Our, I'm talking about our flesh. No, I'm talking about the natural side of you. I know your spirit does, but usually, you know, sometimes people think, well, I'm just going div- to, I'm, I'm, I'm so far advanced in spiritual maturity that I actually don't, my flesh, I don't feel anything in my flesh, you know. I heard one minister say, I'd like to do a test with you. And he said, we'll set up a chair here in the front, and we'll just give you a good slap clean across the face. And then we'll ask you, how do you feel right now? (laughs) Do you feel patient in that moment? Do you feel loving in that moment? Do you feel sound in the faith at that moment? Come on, do you feel reverent and temperate? (laughs) What do you feel like doing? Slapping them back. Somebody was honest over here. The rest of you the same way. We all have the same flesh, but what does a mature believer do? They hold. Now look at this. Look at the second part of this. The older, verse three. The older women. What are these? These are not just gray-haired women. Okay. This is spiritually mature women. Now. Does the Bible change because the culture changes? Okay, here we go. You ready? Maybe I should have a woman preach this part. If we end on this note and you go start the car, then we'll be able to run out. Okay, got it. (laughs) The older women, spiritually far advanced, likewise that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, I find it interesting that churches promote women Bible studies with wine. And this verse is in the Bible. I find it so amusing. I mean, I've talked to ministers at times or in different ones that I'm not telling everybody what they should or shouldn't do in some of these things. Because I understand that that, that there's balance in everything in some things. I never promote drinking alcohol at all. It's just me, okay? I'm just not a part of it. For one, I have to sign a thing for Ramah saying I don't. How many know it's a bad idea if you do and then put you don't? That's called lying, and that would be worse than, you know. But I never do, and you say why? Because I don't want to hinder anybody else. That's my reason, okay? That's me personally, okay? Now, I... I'm not ignorant. I know people will do what they're going to do in their own house. I get it. I understand. Um, But I find it interesting. I've had people argue with me and try to prove to me that they can do it. Like, this is what you need? You need it? You can't live without it? I don't think the Lord was running around. They'll make statements to me like, well, Jesus was called a drunkard. What are you implying? He was a Jew who lived under Jewish law. He wasn't running around getting plastered. He was not, I will say it, he never did. Because the scripture is clear in the Old Testament that he wasn't supposed to do it. Not to mention the fact that he was a rabbi. He was a teacher. He didn't, but you know, We live in cultures, right? But the word doesn't change. So he says this. He goes on to say this. Not slanders, not given to much wine. Teachers of what? Good things. That they, verse 4, that they admonish the young women to what? Love their husbands. To what? Love their... To be, verse 5, look at verse 5. To be discreet, chaste homemakers good obedient to their that the word of God may not be well you know that's kind of old school that just looks like the Bible now notice it doesn't say obedient to every husband to who? Yeah, if you got more than one husband, we got issues. We'll have to deal with that later. But obedient to who? There. Now, did I write Titus? No. Nope. I just get the pleasure of delivering. <laughs> there ain't no man. My, I'm not gonna tell me what to do. The word of God will be blasphemed if you hold that attitude. And this is not telling women they have to put up with every stupid thing a guy comes up with. The husband... <laughs> That's not in the Greek, but it is implied. All right? It's saying if, if the leading doesn't violate the word of God, what? Obey. Obey. I know you don't get a lot of running and shouting on this. I told you you were going to be so excited. Verse six likewise, exhort the young men to be sober minded, to be goofy and act fools all the time. It's not what it says. There's a time to joke around, but eventually you got to be sober minded. Verse seven in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. Um, in doctrine, show integrity, reverence, and incorruptibility. Let me read this to you in the Amplified because it gets so much better, and then we'll stop here. But it says this, but as for you, teach what is fitting and becoming to sound wholesome doctrine, the character and right living that identify true Christians. Urge the older men to be temperate. Listen, older men should be temperate. They should be venerable, which is serious. They should be sensible, self-controlled, and this is spiritually mature. They should be sound in the faith, in the love, in love, or the love of Christ, and in the steadfastness and patience of Christ. Bid the older women, similarly, to be reverent and devout in their deportment as becomes those engaged in sacred service, not slanderers or slaves to drink, they are to give good counsel and be teachers of what is right and noble, so that they will wisely train the young men and women, I love the amplified on this, to be sane and sober of mind, temperate, disciplined, and to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled, chaste, homemakers, good nature, good-natured, kind-hearted, adapting and subordinating themselves to their husbands. That the word of God may not be exposed to reproach, blasphemed, and discredited. In a similar way, urge the younger men to be self restrained and to behave prudently, taking life seriously. Do you ever notice how much joking there is in the world about everything? They want to laugh their way all the way to hell. The Passion Translation says it this way. Your duty is to teach them to embrace a lifestyle that is consistent with sound doctrine. Lead the male elders into disciplined lives full of dignity and self-control. Urge them to have a solid faith, a generous love, and patient endurance. Likewise with the female elders, which I love that. I love that translation. Lead them into lives free from gossip and drunkenness, and to be teachers of beautiful things. Isn't that a good translation? This this will enable them to teach the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, and to be self-controlled and pure, taking care of their household and being devoted to their husbands. By doing these things, the word of God will not be discredited. Likewise, guide the younger men into living disciplined lives for Christ. Above all, set yourself apart as a model of, of a life nobly lived. With dignity, demonstrate integrity in all that you teach. Isn't that? I mean, those statements are powerful. Those are not running and shouting scriptures. Do you know why some homes are a mess? Because the duties for the husband and the wife aren't being fulfilled according to the scripture. And we're not at the marriage and family weekend yet. But here's the thing: sometimes, and, and we're we're wrapping up here. Sometimes, people are coming forward for prayer when what they need is to repent. Like I'll, I'll hear this phrase, I I heard it the other day, um, and I remember even saying these type of things. You know, people are in a bad position. And so somebody will say, we need to pray a lot. Or maybe there needs to be an adjustment in thinking and action. Now, obviously, prayer can open things up, right? But when you're talking about a believer, there's no need to pray for somebody that you're talking to about a particular situation that they're in, and you know what the Word says on it. I'm going to say that again. There is no reason to pray about a situation where you know what the Word says about it. You know, guys will do this. Well, yeah, I just prayed about dating this girl. Dating, I gotta, I'm going to date this girl. Is she saved? Well, no. Well, you don't need to pray about it. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked. You know, there's no phrase in the Bible called missionary dating. (laughs) You know, girls, they will, they'll go, well, I'm after this guy. First of all, the scripture says that he who finds a wife, it doesn't say release your inner cougar, ladies. We better make them laugh, Ed, before we let them go. Otherwise, they may not come back. (laughs) Girls like, Well, I need to find my man. No, you need to pray that they are hearing from God and the man of God finds you. (laughs) I can go. Just sit in your prayer closet and go, Father, in the name of Jesus, honey cometh. <laughs> get them to me, God. Open their dense spiritual eyes and get them to me. Yeah, this is prayer 101. In other words, what? Why well, just I I just need a I need a man in my life. No, you have Jesus. And you need to get to know him. And plus, the Lord will do this too. He'll he'll cause things to wait and slow down because he already knows the future. And faith prepares. So if your knight in shining armor showed up, are you ready? <laughs> well, I'm believing God for a spouse. I'm asking God for it. And it's okay to believe God for that. It's absolutely okay. Are you ready? Or would, would the man of God walk right past you? <laughs> I'm just, I'm feeling like I was, I'm at Rhema right now. These were the sermons we got. <laughs> have you, if, you if, if you're a lady in here and you're looking for a spouse, have you written down what you want? Now, not selfishly. First of all, have you studied what you're supposed to be? Now, if you don't, you you don't have to get married. I mean, Paul was all for no marriage. I think Paul missed it. That was his opinion. So I can say that. (laughs) But you understand what I'm saying? Our culture doesn't teach sober-mindedness. Our culture, I have people come up to me at times and they're they're ignorant of the scriptures, so they don't know. But they'll come up to me and say things, yeah, like we're you know we're just gonna we're gonna see how this goes and try the relationship out to see if it's right. I'm of the I'm of the uh, belief and the conviction from the scripture that you hear from the Holy Ghost, and you find the person, and then you work it out till it's right. If you're intimate with the Lord first, he will never lead you into something that's wrong. It's true. Now, you can't go to pick a husband out someplace where the Lord didn't lead you and then be disappointed in what you get. Or vice versa. Amen. And then mature believers do what? They receive the word of God, meditate the word of God, and then live the word of God, right? You realize there's no condemnation in this. And what I mean by that is God is not going, he's, well, I'm giving up. God never gives up, thank God. But we... Excuse me, we can turn up our intensity in obeying these things. The harvest will be phenomenal. It'll be phenomenal. You'll you'll get further. I mean, the further Heidi and I go in our relationship with the Lord and in obeying Him, it just keeps getting gooder and gooder and gooder. And I will just say this. There is... There is no, and I, you know, there's there's natural things that are a blessing, all that kind of stuff. There is no greater blessing than having God moving in your life, the anointing upon your call, and you're in your call, and you know you're in your call, and you're doing what God has asked you to do. It trickles over into everything. Everything. But we were also years of This training, then this training, then this training, then this training. And the training never stops, in a sense, you know what I mean? You get into your call eventually, you get into what you're supposed to do, the training never stops. But the levels of His grace just keep going up and up and up and up. You get to the point where, oh man, it's just awesome. Like you read about being sober and temperate, and I don't think to myself, I don't want to do that. That means I won't be able to do what I want to do over here. You actually think, because you've developed in the Lord, you sit there and you go, I know what's on the other end of that obedience. I know what's right behind that door if I turn that key. And you get hungry for the greater grace. Because humility leads to what? Greater grace. God gives grace to the... So, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, your written word to us. We thank you for it, Father. And Lord, we do, we humble ourselves. Lord, as those that are male and those that are female, we humble ourselves to your word. Those that are wives, those that are husbands, we humble ourselves to your word. Those that are young and those that are old or older mature, we humble ourselves under your word. And we say, Lord, with with our heart a, a sincere heart to you, we desire to walk in these levels of maturity so that you can have your full way and will in our lives, and in our families' lives. Lord, we thank you for your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, bless you guys. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.